Welcome to Knowledgeable Aging. I'm your host, Jason Kotar. Joining us today to talk about Medicare and working past 65 is John Norse. John is the founder of Medicare Portal with over 31 years in the insurance industry. During this time, he has assisted thousands of clients with their Medicare experience from education to enrollment to lifetime policy support. John remains highly active in the insurance industry by serving on the boards of two local insurance associations. Additionally, John is a certified continuing education instructor, providing courses on Medicare to his fellow agents. How are you doing? How are you doing today, John? I'm good. How about yourself, Jace? Very good. Welcome back. Looking forward to this one. Um, before we get going, uh, for those that are joining us today, if you have any questions, type those in. And uh, time permitting at the end, we will do everything we can to get those uh, questions answered. So, John, Medicare and working past 65. Well, here we go. We'll kick it off again. Jason, thanks for the opportunity to share our knowledge here. Uh, we'll get started here. Again, I anticipate about 15 to 20 minutes of your time going over the content for Q&A. So we'll move quickly, but you'll see that this will have a nice flow to it. Most importantly, the reason that we're hosting this webinar is that a lot of people will wake up at 65 uh, one day or close to 65 and realize that uh, they're going to work past 65 and it may or may not dawn on them that they have to address their Medicare benefits because at 65, you'll see it's our first opportunity for most of us to make at least some basic decisions and in some cases, a lot of decisions regarding your Medicare benefits. So what we'll cover today, just to give you a quick outline, is what is Medicare and am I eligible? So obviously being on this call will determine if you should continue on this presentation and learn about what your options are. Decisions when working past 65, when do I or can I enroll in Medicare? Uh, it's important if you're working past 65 to understand Medicare and HSAs, health savings accounts. And then also we see a lot of it today, Medicare and COBRA, making sure you understand what your rights are and what you need to do when it relates to that. So real quick, we'll cover what is Medicare and am I eligible? So for those that obviously are aware, Medicare is a federal insurance program. It's available to people that are American citizens that or legal uh, residents that are over 65, also under 65 with certain disabilities and individuals with end-stage renal or Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. Now to make it clear, what we're gonna focus on today is individuals who are turning 65 or older because those are ones that we're gonna address working past 65. So parts of Medicare, just quickly to discuss the second part of this, there's four parts of Medicare, A, B, C, and D. And we'll just discuss those quickly so you understand what decisions that you may be making when turning 65. Quickly, Part A, for many of us that are aware of it, we call it hospital. Part A is gonna cover your inpatient hospital stays. It'll also cover rehabilitation slash nursing home care and home health and hospice. Those are the four parts of Part A. Part A typically will cost you nothing if you or your spouse have worked 10 years or 40 quarters. And for those that don't have 10 years or 40 quarters, they can actually purchase Part A. Part B, this is the part that covers everything not in Part A. So provider services, doctors, nurses, rehab, PT, OT, ST, any kind of outpatient care, preventative services. There's also other things like durable medical equipment, ambulance services, things like that that are covered under Part B. It's important to understand that Part B does require a premium to be enrolled. And just for conversation's sake, it, this year for 2020, it starts at $144.60. Part 
Part C, Medicare Advantage, for those that would actually enroll in Medicare Parts A and B, they can solve their Medicare needs by purchasing or enrolling in a Medicare Advantage plan. The Medicare Advantage plan is a combination of Parts A, B, and D. So it includes all your hospital benefits, your provider benefits, and we'll talk about Part D in a minute, which is your drug benefits. This is an additional plan that you would pay a premium for potentially, and that would also include benefits like dental, vision, and hearing that typically aren't covered under original Medicare, just parts A and B. These are provided by private insurance companies, and there are a number of plans. I believe it's almost 1,200 available nationwide, and the cost of benefits will vary by region or state, and sometimes even by county. Part D, to cover the last part of what Medicare is, is again, this is the prescription drug plan uh, introduced in 2006 to address the escalating costs in prescription drug costs. This is a plan that you can purchase on a standalone basis, or you can, again, purchase it as a part of your Medicare Advantage program, letter C. These programs are also provided by private insurance companies. There will be premiums associated to enroll in this program, and that there is what's also known as an IRMA adjustment, meaning that based on your income, you could pay more for your Part D. Now, Understanding the four parts of Medicare and your eligibility, we're going to move forward assuming that you are eligible under the guidelines of turning 65. You've worked the required quarters or your spouse has to qualify you for Part A premium free and that your employer, as you'll see in a minute, is going to be the number one determining factor of what your decision making is going to be at age 65. Oops, wrong directions. So, there's really the magic number to remember if you take away from this is your employer size of 20. If your employer is what's considered a small group employer under 20 employees, you would have to consider enrolling in Medicare as your primary payer of claims because Medicare sees your health insurance as a secondary payer. And they put Medicare, that's parts A and B, as your primary payer of claims. So if I'm turning 65 and it's a small company, say Jason and I are a small business and there's only two of us. And when I turn 65, I have to enroll in A and B to be my primary payer of claims. And I do this during what's called my IEP or initial enrollment period, which is the seven months that surround my 65th birthday. We'll talk about that in a minute. But it's very important to understand that even though we may have health insurance at our employer or at our company, if we're under 20 people, we have to enroll in A and B to be our primary payer of claims. Now, you will not get notified by your employer per se, because this is an individual decision that you make to enroll in Medicare, but oftentimes the insurance company you're with will send you a notification to let you know that your insurance situation will be changing and that you should go on Medicare as soon as possible. So under 20, go on Medicare A and B when turning 65, and then again, we'll talk about your secondary decisions, which would be buying Medicare supplement, a prescription drug plan, and Medicare Advantage. But primary to that, more important, is that you understand that under 20, you have to enroll in A and B to have primary benefits for your health insurance. Now, to shift gears, if you have over 20 employees, so if, if Jason and I had a larger organization, say 100 employees, we can delay our enrollment into Part B because Medicare views our health insurance as being what is known as creditable. You'll see at the bottom there to be eligible for what's called a special enrollment period, which we'll talk about in a minute, your group coverage must be creditable. 
What the word creditable means is that Medicare views your insurance coverage today as being equal to superior to that coverage of Medicare, therefore allowing you to delay enrollment into Medicare. So if I have an employer uh, provided health insurance of over 20 and I work past 65, I can remain on the health insurance with that employer and it will continue to pay my claims the same way it did when I was under 65. So the health insurance that I'm enrolled in would become my primary payer of claims. Also by being in a situation where with a large employer, the second bullet point is that we have created a special enrollment period for the future when we can enroll in part B and face no penalties for delaying that enrollment. So again, the magic number being over or under 20 will dictate what we need to do. So I alluded to this quickly before, and I'm gonna tie the knot on this so you understand the enrollment period associated with working past 65 and your decision-making. So there's two enrollment periods that we're gonna to discuss today. Your initial enrollment period, which I just mentioned, is when you turn 65 and the seven months around that. And then the special enrollment period is for those that delay enrollment in Part B because they have creditable insurance from an employer. So here is a graphic showing you about initial enrollment period. So this is a seventh month window that surrounds your 65th birthday. So I'm a September birthday. So in the months of June, July, and August, if I enroll during those months, my health insurance with Medicare would start on September 1st. Now I point this out because if you are that small employer under 20 people, again, using the example of Jason and I having a small business, I would want to apply in June, July, or August so that my health insurance with Medicare would start on September 1st, and then it would allow me to decide if I'm gonna enroll in a Medicare Advantage, a Medicare supplement, or a prescription drug plan. Should I miss the first of my September by not enrolling in those three months prior, I still have four ensuing months after that. However, what happens is if you miss your initial enrollment periods, uh, birth month, every month after that, your enrollment into Part B will be delayed. So if I enrolled in October, I would have to wait two months. And if I enrolled in November or December, I would actually have to wait three months for my Part B enrollment. Why is that important? Because Part B is gonna be your primary payer of claims starting on September 1st. So you wanna make sure that you enroll and not leave any gaps in your health insurance. It's very important. So IEP or initial enrollment period, seven months around your 65th birthday, you most importantly want to address parts A and B here because they will be your primary payer claims. The special enrollment period, or what's called an SEP, relates to if you've worked past 65 for that large employer. So if someone is 65, works past it, decides it's 66, 67, 68, 70, 75, any age past it, they will create a special enrollment period. By creating that special enrollment period, you will have eight months from the date that you terminate or lose health insurance with your employer to enroll in parts A and B. By doing that, enrolling in A and B within that eight month window, you will then be able to enroll in a Medicare Advantage or Medicare supplement plan. You also though notice here, you only have 63 days from the loss or last day of coverage to enroll in Medicare Advantage part C and part D. To make a note here, it gets confusing, but you only need part A 
to enroll in Part D, but you need A and B to enroll in a Medigap or Medicare Advantage plan. So you wanna make sure that you are preparing for your special enrollment window by applying for Part B, particularly prior to your enrollment or your termination of uh, your health insurance benefit, and then you can do your enrollment into a Medicare supplement, Medicare Advantage, and have that continuous coverage without any breaks in your benefits. It's extremely important to know when your special enrollment period starts and ends. And again, it makes it very important for you to understand when to do this. Now, obviously I'm gonna stop here. This is very confusing. And this is where someone like us can help you here locally, explain to you how this works, when you should begin your process to apply and finish your enrollment with parts A and B, and then move into your supplement and advantage. Now it's also important to understand here, when you are gonna work past 65, I'm gonna take a step backwards here for the large group and explain part A. You typically will enroll in part A at 65 with a large insurance provider, meaning over 20, because that part A will serve as your secondary payer of claims. So what I mean by that is that I work past 65 for a large employer, my health insurance as indicated prior to this will be my primary payer of claims. However, if I went into the hospital, was put into some rehabilitation type of scenario, after my health insurance pays, that bill would be forwarded to Medicare Part A, who would pay as a secondary payer. And then after they adjudicate that claim, there could be a balance to that bill, that would finally make it to me. So when working past 65, Enrolling in Part A is typically the logical solution because you're not paying a premium for Part A, and again, it will provide those secondary benefits. I'm gonna caveat it with this screen that's up here to make this very clear. The only scenario working for a large employer and having Part A that you would not wanna take Part A in is if you personally are funding a health savings account. The government will not allow you to fund an HSA, mean put your money into an HSA account, and then take a tax deduction if you have any parts of Medicare. So it's making it very clear that if you have an HSA that you need to decide at 65 whether you wanna to continue to fund that HSA or enroll in Part A. It's one or the other. Now to make this clear, regardless of what your decision is to enroll in Medicare, uh, part A at 65 with the impact on an HSA, any existing HSA funds that you have can be used to pay for Medicare related expenses. Things like premiums, if you have actual Medicare benefits like plan C or D, Medicare co-pays, deductibles, and any other related out-of-pocket expenses not covered by Medicare. So you can use existing funds in an HSA to pay for future Medicare expenses. You also can fund your spouse's HSA or use your spouse's HSA because that's not under your tax ID. So having that access to your spouse's HSA would allow you again to fund an HSA, although not tied to you, but still have access to an HSA account, both existing and future contributions. So understanding that you cannot enroll in any parts of Medicare, typically Part A, because it costs you nothing, at 65, and know the impact on an HSA. Now, one other part of this that I want to emphasize quickly, and that is if you work past 65 with an HSA, 
and you decide to go on Part A after 65, they will retro you six months back. So if I wanted to terminate today my HSA contributions by going on Medicare Part A, they would backdate my Part A enrollment six months, which would then impact my contributions into HSAs, which if I don't correct those, could create a tax situation in the future where I could face myself with penalties. So you want to make sure that you do some planning on your HSA contributions. Last thing that's very important to highlight here is Medicare and COBRA. We get a lot of calls from people that were retiring, uh, laid off, whatever the situation might be, but they're being offered COBRA. COBRA cannot be primary after age 65 regardless of who pays for it. So if you're leaving an employer, you're 67 years old, they're a large employer, over 20, that's how you would get COBRA. And they're saying, we'll offer you three months of COBRA uh, as part of your package to leave. Understand that even though it's not costing you anything to enroll in that COBRA plan, Medicare does not see COBRA as your primary payer of claims. So what do I mean by that? Simply using that, uh, using an example of say for Part B. Medicare Part B covers 80% of your claims on average and you would be responsible for 20%. If you have COBRA but not Part B, COBRA would only address at best the 20% that Medicare does not cover and you would be responsible to be the Part B payer. Because again, Medicare does not consider COBRA the primary payer of claims. So if someone was laid off at 67 and only had Part A, Part A would be primary and COBRA would be secondary and that would be fine. It's just that they would not have Part B primary and only Part B secondary through COBRA and that would put you at risk potentially for large financial claims. So it's very important that if you are offered COBRA that you immediately address your Part B if you haven't done it and potentially A and B as soon as possible to make sure that you get the primary payer of claims. Now there's more information around this if you've had A and B prior to COBRA or not. Rather than go into those details, I would recommend you to call someone like us that can walk you through it. But the one takeaway would be do not depend on COBRA as your primary payer of claims after age 65. And lastly, should you find yourself on COBRA and realizing that you should have had A and B, understand that COBRA termination or the end of COBRA after 18 months or potentially 36 months is not considered that same special enrollment period that you would have had when you just left your employer. And that could leave you with coverage terminating during the year, which potentially could make you wait towards what's called general enrollment period, which is in January of the following year. And you wouldn't start your actual A and B, well, Part B benefits until July of that following year. Point being, again, confusing, but extremely important that you understand if you get offered COBRA to not believe that that's going to be your primary payer of claims. So some final thoughts. Understand your do's and don'ts. When turning 65 as a small employer, understand that you do need to enroll in Medicare A and B. If you aren't going to enroll in Medicare A and B because you work for a large employer, again, consider enrolling Part A and then take into account your uh, HSA contributions if you're doing that. Um, do your research and have a plan. Start early. Understand your options. Again, if you haven't enrolled in A and B, 
start your research early and start applying 90 days prior to your birth month to make sure that you'll have no breaks from going from health insurance into Medicare. Again, start early. We can start as early as three months with the application process for A and B, but your actual uh, other products you would have to be enrolled in, like I said, A and B to get a supplement or a Medicare Advantage or a prescription plan. Ask questions and seek assistance if needed. As you can see, this is a complex decision, especially relating to both the small employer and then working past 65. Medicare portal here is a local uh, organization. Obviously, we focus solely on Medicare benefits, and we can answer any of your questions relating to your enrollment periods, your options, when to apply, when not to apply, can you delay, things like that. The last thought that I'll add that uh, wasn't put here is if you are turning 65, we always recommend, whether it's a small or large employer, to talk to their HR department or someone who is qualified to answer your questions regarding your responsibilities for Medicare enrollment as it relates to the health insurance provided at your employer. With that, Jason, we can move into some questions. Really? If you have some. I have quite a few, John. Thank you. A lot to take in, by the way. Um, as you can, as you say, it can be quite confusing. So thank you. Um, first question. I know you're based out of Northern Virginia. Can you work with people that are not in your immediate geographic area? Yeah. So as an independent insurance agent here, our resident, my residence is Virginia. So that's my primary state for health, for licensing. But I'm licensed in approximately 15 to 20 other states where we can help people. It just requires me to be licensed in that state. And if not, I've been doing this long enough that oftentimes we might have a local agent that we can refer them through just through my network of advisors that I know. Okay, but very good. Um, can you clarify a primary, primary payer and a secondary payer? Sure, sure. So it's a very important thing to understand when you get to Medicare age, who is your primary payer and who is a secondary payer? So again, if you're enrolled in Medicare, that's parts A and B, that will be your primary payer of claims in most scenarios. If you opt to enroll in Medicare Advantage Plan C, that would replace A and B as your primary payer and part C would take over. As it relates to working, if you have large group health insurance, that over 20 number again, that would be considered your primary payer of claims because we consider it creditable per Medicare standards, meaning that you do not have to enroll in Part B because Part B would be, in a sense, a primary payer that you don't need. You would only need Part A in that situation because that would serve as a secondary payer after your health insurance paid as the primary payer. So knowing who's primary and secondary payer is very important when you get past 65. Okay. Um, if you're over 65 and get employer-provided insurance, how far in advance of retirement should you apply for Medicare for continuous coverage? Yeah, so we typically recommend um, 90 days to start your uh, process because there are some forms that are required from your employer to document that you've been an active employee with this credible coverage for a number of years. Uh, we have to show proof that since 65, you've had continuous coverage. So there's forms that are required. You cannot enroll for Part D over the phone past 65. Uh, you used to be able to do it in person, but that's held us up. You can still do it through the mail, and there are some ways to do it through the internet uh, online applications. But 90 days is usually the time to start because should you face any delays or problems, 
it will give you plenty of time to still make sure that you're enrolled in Part B prior to your retirement. Okay. Um, question, is MSA different than a flexible spending account? Yeah. So HSA is technically the one that you want to be on the lookout for. Anything past 65, including an HSA, you do want you want no parts of Medicare. However, if an employer offers an FSA, an MSA, those have nothing to do with Medicare, and you could, in a sense, have Part A work past 65 and have those plans and not be in any kind of trouble, so to say, with the IRS. Okay. Is there a, an IEP for Part D, John? Yep. So Part D, if you're under 60 or turning 65 and your group is under 20 people, that same seven-month window that you would enroll in A and B and potentially purchase a supplement and a prescription plan, which is Part D, that seven-month window applies. And again, if you enroll in a Part C Medicare Advantage plan, that includes Part D, that seven-month window also would be the same for you when turning 65 and having to go on Medicare. Yep. Okay. Um, very good. Uh, I Can I enroll my spouse's insurance if they work for a large company, but I do not? Yep. So we oftentimes see where uh, a spouse, a husband and wife, or whatever the situation is, where they have two different insurance plans through their employers, and, and I might get mine and my spouse gets hers because hypothetically, let's just say we're in a situation where our employers pay 100% of those costs and it makes sense financially. But I work for a small employer at 65. Rather than me having to go on Medicare primary, I could enroll in my spouse's plan if she works for a large employer, create that special enrollment period in the future by delaying enrollment, but have the creditable coverage through her company. Absolutely. That's something that we would, again, always ask those questions up front when we're doing our little research to help find all options available to people when they're turning 65 or working past 65. Okay, very good. Last question, since we're uh, we're running short on time here. Enrolling in Part A, John, what happens after age 65 uh, with respect to penalties and enrollment date? Can you uh, go into that yep. a little bit, please? Yep. So real quick, if you've worked past 65 and didn't enroll in Part A when you turn 65, if you have the hour or the quarters and the credits to get premium-free Part A, me you wouldn't pay for it, there's no penalty to enroll in that point. You can grab Part A anytime you want after 65. But again, as it relates to the HSA and only the HSA, they're going to retro that start date six months. So even if I send in my Part A today, they're going to backdate it six months, and that could impact your HSA contributions. The other thing real quick, Jason, if at 65 you didn't have the enough hours to buy Part A, which is one of the options you have, you could face a penalty later for not having enrolled in Part A at 65. So again, another great question. Very good. All right, John, um, how can people find you? Yep, great. So obviously we're here local to the DC metro area. Um, you can reach us a couple ways uh, via our office phone, 703-214-4600. You can find us on the web at www.medicareportal.org. And then you can reach me directly on email just my name, John, J-O-H-N, at MedicarePortal.org. Um, John, so you and I were discussing off-air uh, about a series, a Medicare series of some webinars starting in September. 
So what I encourage everybody that's uh, watching us or listening to us today is to go on our website, sign up to our newsletter, um, and we will do our best to get the website updated. Um, John, we're talking about what is uh, a webinar series for Medicare, what, from September, October, November, yeah. December? Yeah, really so well, yeah, because there are people probably listening to this that, that are uh, on Medicare to some degree today, whether on A only, A and B only, and okay. the open enrollment or the annual election period is in the fourth quarter. So we'll have a class on what you can do, the changes that you can make. It's an educational class, just so you understand what your options are. We're gonna talk about the difference between Medicare, original Medicare and Medicare Advantage, because there are differences that sometimes people don't understand between the two policies. And we're also gonna have a, a course educational just on the Part D plan, because it is the most complicated part of Medicare. We wanna make sure, again, educationally, that people understand things like the donut hole. You know, we wanna make sure that we go over these things in depth so people have a true understanding of what they're enrolling in. But, and look for those coming up in September for sure. Good, all right, John. Well, once again, thank you so much for your time. We look forward to having you back here in September. Till next time, I'm Jason Kotar, and this is Knowledgeable Aging.